1: Today is Monday, June 1st, 2020. On this day in 2004, Terry Nichols arrived at an Oklahoma state courthouse for the first day of the penalty phase of his trial. He'd already been sentenced to life in prison without parole by a federal jury, but state prosecutors believed he deserved worse for his role in the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. They hoped that this time, they could pin him with the death penalty. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the Oklahoma State trial against Terry Nichols, the man who helped Timothy McVeigh build the explosives that were used in the Oklahoma City bombing. Let's go back to the morning of June 1st, 2004 to a McAllister, Oklahoma courtroom. It was one of the biggest domestic terrorism cases in U.S. history. Three former U.S. military personnel conspired to blow up the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City on April 19, 1995, killing 168 people inside. The most famous of those three men was Timothy McVeigh, who was sentenced to death in 1997. But Terry Nichols, investigators believed, was part of the plot, too. Nichols' 1997 federal trial confirmed that. Perhaps because that federal trial had already found him guilty and sentenced him to life in prison without parole, Nichols' state-level trial moved along quickly once it got started. During preliminary proceedings, Nichols confessed. He admitted that he had assisted Timothy McVeigh in acquiring bomb materials and constructing explosives. Then, the Oklahoma jury convicted Nichols on 161 counts of murder, one for each civilian life lost in the attack. Now, it was time for the last stage of the trial. The jury had to determine Nichols' punishment. Under Oklahoma state law, they had three options – life in prison with the possibility of parole, life in prison without parole, or the death penalty. 49-year-old Terry Nichols was escorted into the courtroom by a team of Pittsburgh County Sheriff's deputies in a bulletproof vest. Authorities were intent on ensuring that vigilantes didn't assassinate Nichols before a jury could determine his punishment. As the sentencing trial got underway, the prosecution made an impassioned argument that Terry Nichols was directly responsible for the deaths of the victims in Oklahoma City, and that as a result, life in prison without parole wasn't a harsh enough consequence. He should receive capital punishment. Nichols' defense lawyers, meanwhile, emphasized that while their client was guilty, the jurors had already determined that much, he deserved some compassion. He was, they argued, an impressionable man. He'd been led astray by the mastermind of the bombing, Timothy McVeigh. And they reminded the jury there was evidence that suggested Nichols had tried to back out of the plot altogether. After putting together the explosive, true, but before that devastating bomb went off. For one, he was not in Oklahoma City when McVeigh detonated the explosives. In fact, Nichols' lawyers insisted McVeigh was involved with a white supremacist gang, and it was this gang, not Terry Nichols, that actually helped carry out the bombing. In light of all the evidence at hand, the defense implored the jury to carefully consider every sentencing option at their disposal, including life in prison. But of course, not all evidence at hand made Nichols look particularly sympathetic. Because of the massive number of casualties, the trial was extremely emotional from the start. Testimony after testimony illustrated the horror of Nichols' crimes. On the first day of the sentencing trial alone, over two dozen witnesses shared stories of their first-hand experiences of the bombing, or the stories of family members who were no longer alive to speak for themselves. The ensuing days saw even more testimony, with 87 witnesses in total taking the stand during the trial. Many found themselves weeping as they spoke. Others delivered angry rebukes of Nichols' complicity. Things weren't looking good for Terry Nichols, despite his lawyer's best efforts. There was even speculation that those efforts had been ill-fated from the start, that the district attorney was gunning for an execution before the trial began. After all, although he hadn't been sentenced yet, authorities were already housing Nichols on Oklahoma State's death row. Coming up, the consequences of Terry Nichols' crimes.
0: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be.
1: On June 1, 2004, Terry Nichols entered a courthouse in McAllister, Oklahoma, for the sentencing portion of his state-level criminal trial. The jury had already found him guilty on 161 counts of murder for his role in the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. Now, prosecutors were hopeful that they could secure a death sentence. The wreckage of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building that Nichols helped destroy was just two hours from the courtroom. That ominous presence helped their case. So did the first-hand accounts of loss and grief from bombing victims and their families. These stories evoked sympathy and grief from everyone in the courtroom, including, it seemed, Nichols himself. The defendant was somber throughout the trial, and on at least one occasion, he wiped tears from his eyes. His team tried their best to emphasize this humanity. They called upon Nichols' family, his two ex-wives, and even the prison guards who had dealt with him the most during his incarceration. They also showcased Nichols' conversion to religion during his incarceration. In his closing arguments to the jury, Nichols' lawyer, Creekmore Wallace, stood behind Nichols' seat and put his hands on the defendant's shoulders. He said, quote, This case is about one person and whether you will take his life. It's about whether you will kill Terry Lynn Nichols, the man. The jury deliberated for 19 and a half hours over the course of three long days. But in the end, the defense's argument had done enough. The jury remained deadlocked. Under Oklahoma state law, if a jury cannot reach a decision on the death penalty, the sentencing responsibilities fall to the judge overseeing the trial. However, only a jury can sentence a convict to death. This meant that Judge Taylor's only two options were to sentence Nichols to life in prison with the possibility of parole or life without parole. Judge Taylor picked the harsher punishment, life without parole, but he didn't think that was enough. Instead of handing down one term for the entire guilty verdict, as the federal court had done, Taylor symbolically sentenced Nichols to life without parole on each count of first-degree murder. This meant Taylor sentenced Nichols to 161 consecutive life terms, each without the possibility of parole, earning Nichols the Guinness World Record for the most life sentences. Nichols had been stoic for most of the trial, but he broke his silence during sentencing. In an emotional speech before the court, he said, quote, words cannot adequately express the sorrow I have had over the years for the grief that so many have endured and continue to suffer. I am truly sorry for what occurred. Nichols also reiterated his faith in God and asked his victims to forgive him, saying, It was God who, through the Holy Spirit, worked in the hearts of those jurors who refused to vote for death. In the years since his sentencing, Terry Nichols has maintained correspondence with several victims' relatives. Although he takes responsibility for his role in the bombing and prays for the victims and their families, he insists in his letters that he did not know Timothy McVeigh planned to target a federal building. He claims that McVeigh told him he intended to destroy a monument or some type of non-occupied structure. Sandra Elliott, the lead prosecutor for the state of Oklahoma in the case, remains unconvinced. She said, quote, He knew. He may not have known the names of the people he was going to kill, but he knew that bomb would kill. Because to the end, to the bitter end, Mr. McVeigh and Mr. Nichols were in this together. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime, I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more on the Oklahoma City bombing, check out the Conspiracy Theories episodes on the case. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Mike Ramos, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Brian Petras, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson.